everyone, good morning, and thank you for joining us here at day two of the 2023 Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. My name is Leo Fondriest, and I'm a first-year MBA student at MIT Sloan. And it is my pleasure to introduce our opening panel this morning, Sharpening Your Edges, the Role of Analytics in Sports Betting and Fantasy Sports. Our panelists today are Dayan Mikoski, VP of Data Analytics, FanDuel, Andre Snellings, senior writer, ESPN, Megan Chaika, founder and CEO of Stathletes, and Grant Cloud, senior director of data strategy, PrizePix. Our panel will be moderated by Lisa Kearney of FanDuel. Our panel will run for about 45 minutes, followed by 10 minutes of Q&A. Uh, please submit your questions via Twitter using the hashtag bettinganalytics. Uh, those Questions will be submitted, and then we'll filter them through to Lisa, and she will select questions to ask the panelists. Uh, and with that, I'll turn it over to Lisa. Well done, Leo. Thanks for getting us started here this morning. Good morning. I know it's early. Thank you for being here. Um, it, it, there's no better way to start your Saturday, by the way, than advanced data, statistical strategies, <laughs> analytics. Let's, let's get fired up. Um, hope you all had your coffee. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, and as I started to think about our conversation here and where to take this, uh, I keep going back to that cat and mouse game that we talked about that's playing out in front of us between sports betting companies and bettors and how both are pushing and continuing to push each other to become more and more statistically sophisticated. Uh, now, as we know, not every single better out there is leveraging those advanced analytics and those tools, but we are seeing that the common consumer does have more and more access to that data, to the analytical tools than ever before. So what we're going to dive into here is the modeling that goes into setting these lines with a particular focus on risk assessment. I know we'll get into that and as well as management. And then also we're going to lean into the real time decision making that goes into those lines. We're talking about live sports. We're talking about live odds. We're talking about player prop parlays. We're talking about same game parlays and live same game parlays that FanDuel rolled out the NFL season this year. We're going to talk a bit more about that. So excited to be here. Thank you again for being here. And as Leo mentioned, we'll take about 45 minutes to get through the conversation as questions arise. Please go ahead and hit up Twitter using that hashtag because we'll get to your questions at the end. So let's open it up. Let's kick this thing off. And I think because we each come at this conversation from such different perspectives, I think it's best to just kind of give you an open floor to say who you are and how what you do impacts our industry. So Dayan, you want to start us off? Yeah, my name is Dayan Mikovsky, uh, Vice President of Data Analytics at FanDuel. And so uh, my team works on the analytics side, the data science side, and the data product side. Um, just making sure that we have all the right information, all the right data in-house, right? Um, supporting our risk and trading team, supporting uh, what lines we make, how we go to marketing, how do we commercialize our products. So the more information that you can get, the better you can do it at any models that you have, any type of statistical models that you have or any outputs that you have. Mm -hmm. All right, I'm Andre Snellings, um, senior writer at ESPN. But my background, I'm a PhD in biomedical engineering um, from Georgia Tech University of Michigan. And I was a brain researcher. I used to do uh, brain experiments. But a lot of that, a lot of what I worked with dealt with mathematical models and, um, and, and data analysis. And so when I converted into doing sports analysis, 
um, I started off by applying those kind of numerical methods to fantasy sports, and that was my entry into ESPN. And as it turns out, um, I had just got to ESPN when the Supreme Court case came through that made sports gambling potentially legal in, in America. And they spoke to me and said, hey, you have numbers. You ever thought about betting? And so um, what I do now is uh, a lot of betting analysis. I apply numerical models as well as, as scouting. And I, um, I guess I give advice uh, on the daily to people that are interested in sports betting, that are making sports bets. So I, I kind of reach the audience that's either just coming in or that maybe has been doing it for a while and uh, likes the advice and prognostication that we give. Andre, that's a really awesome background. I didn't know that. <laughs> Amazing. And I come from a bit of a different background, too, much like probably a lot of people in the room, you know, started as athletes in graduate school and was going through a very specialized, like, finance degree. And, of course, I graduated in 2008, right, the worst time ever to graduate. And they were like, oh, sorry, you have now no jobs. Mm -hmm. So figure it out yourself. And that's kind of why I became an entrepreneur is, like, you know, if there's not something for me, then, like, making a company, doing pitches, whatever, is sort of my path. And... We actually won a pitch in Louisville, Kentucky, where there's supposedly no hockey arenas anywhere around there. But they said, yeah, NFL loves data. Why doesn't, you know, the NHL and hockey have more? And that was like 15 years ago. So, you know, going through graduate school, building a company that's very like data focused. We always thought we'd be more like data API, just deliver it at that level and realize that there's a lot of like products that are needed and different touches and media and betting and digital. And I think the landscape in general has changed a lot from, you know, watching linear TV to now like engaging with data and all these products and like FanDuel as well. So service a lot of different types of clients, you know, FanDuel, do some spots on uh, TSN every week for FanDuel. It's really exciting, you know, incorporating stats, but also bringing in the better too. So it's not like, you know, the sports book is competing with them, but like empowering them to get like more excited about what they're doing and, and the game and follow stars. And especially for hockey, you know, we don't really promote those stars. So data is one way to like, tell better stories about them and t understand the game better. So, you know, I come at it from a bit of a different angle, but I feel like we all use data in unique ways to interface with betting. Mm -hmm. Awesome introduction, Megan. And I'll do my best to follow up the intros that you guys just had. But my name is Grant Cloud, guys, and I'm currently the Senior Director of Data Strategy at PrizePix. For those who aren't familiar, PrizePix is daily fantasy sports made simple. We're focused on building the easiest, most fun, and exciting daily fans daily fantasy sports viewing experience. In 2022, we served nearly 1 million Americans in over 30 US states and a majority of Canada. My current day to day, I'm overseeing our data engineering team, sourcing all of the data that we're leveraging throughout the business, our business intelligence team, which works with our stakeholders to solve business problems and realize that value from the data we collect, and our data science team, which everyone loves to talk to. They make some really fun predictive models, and that's where you see a lot of the player projections that appear in our app. So. So let's get our money's worth having these brilliant panelists here, right? Uh, let's dig in. Because, uh, as I mentioned, that cat and mouse game and pushing each other because the sports betting companies and the betters, they have well, both have access, really, to data, tools, strategies, all these different things. So, um, and Grant, I'll just come back to you. Where are you seeing that both are finding that edge? Where are they gravitating towards? That's a good question, Lisa. I think a lot of the sharps who are trying to find edges are really looking in new game types and looking at the innovation that's coming into the industry. 
I think when you look at a lot of the different operators in both fantasy sports and sports betting, you're seeing a lot of new markets, new game types, and new formats that have never been tried before. That creates a great user experience and member experience for new members who are coming into the space. It's really innovative and exciting. On the flip side, that's a new opportunity for a sharp player to find an edge. And I think the operators have to be really, really cognizant of that and cautious when they're trying to launch new features and products. We'll get into that a bit more, and maybe we should just go there. So when you look at the risk that comes with these new products, uh, what, how much are you taking a step back before saying, okay, public, have at it? Well, I mean, it has to be quick, right? Because people have real-time betting. As the game changes, the bets change, and our risk and trading team um, are cognizant of that, right? So if you're in a, if you're in a game, right, if, the, if there's a football game and Patrick Mahomes has an ankle sprain, the line changes. But that line has to change immediately, right? And they talked about it yesterday about the latency of data and how fast data gets in. Because if it doesn't get in fast enough, how many bets are you taking between this ankle sprain and when the line sh actually changes, right? And that's a liability for you. And so we monitor those liabilities constantly of saying, where are we ex like, where's the exposure coming in? And how fast can you update your, your products? How fast can you update your lines? Because all of that's gonna have a, a first off, it's a bad user experience. It's always gonna start with the customer, right? And if you're trying to make a bet and the line doesn't change when you think it's supposed to change, Right? It's a terrible experience. But secondly, from a business perspective, again, you get exposed. Right? And so for us, it's about how, how quick can you get that information in? How fast can you get the information in? And how fast can you turn around your models and then update your apps? Mm -hmm. Andre, are, where are we seeing the two learn from each other? You talk about, you know, it's not a parallel universe. I mean, mm -hmm. we're seeing what they're doing, they're seeing what we're doing. What, what are they actually learning from each other? Yeah, so where I fit into this ecosystem, um, you know, I was listening, Dayan was talking about kind of like real-time uh, instant responses. Well, I'm giving advice in articles that we might be writing in the morning or um, on shows that might run, say, at 4 or 5 p.m. And so we're, I'm trying to give advice before these, these things are happening and it needs to be agile enough to, to adjust. So give an example of yesterday. In the morning, um, I work on an article. Uh, it's a Daily Notes article. It's uh, two kind of analysts that might either look at trends in general for betting or and the other looks at, at trends for the teams that are playing that day. And then I and another analyst will go through each game and make our own um, picks for what we think is, is a good thing. That runs, we have to get it in, and, and it runs at 11 in the morning. Well, then yesterday at 4 p.m., um, I did a show called Bet, where I was on there giving some of the picks that I might have written about. All the lines were different. I mean, way different. Like, so. You're, you're welcome. Yeah, you know, um, I made a, a pick for one game in the morning where I think it was Bulls plus six. By the time the show started, it was Bulls plus three and a half. I'm a lot less comfortable with that. But, you know, you have to be agile enough to, to take in, okay, what has changed since the morning? Um, and, and am I still comfortable at three and a half? Or, but 
I'm locked in because I've already given them the script, so I can't change my analysis on the fly. So my, my job is essentially to take in these fast changes and try to give that information to our customers in a way that still helps them. Um, but I'm not at the second to second, unfortunately, uh, the way that, that, that some of the others up here are. Well, You're uh, like, let me just give you context. No, there is a narrative. Let me tell you why. Exactly, well, exactly. Think about the proliferation of data. Mm -hmm. Right, 90% of the world's data has been created in the last two years. Mm -hmm. 2.5 quintillion data points are created daily. Okay, it sounds made up. It's 2.5 with 18 zeros behind it. <laughs> Every single day in the world, okay? So yeah, the line changed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Something happened. It could have been someone on the bulls, again, sprained their ankle. Mm -hmm. It could have been someone got sick. Right, and you have to source as much information as possible. And we're talking sourcing data, we look at betting patterns, we look at historical games, right? We look at how do these teams play against each other? Are they at home, are they not at home? And you're looking at other things, right? Mm -hmm. You're also looking at social media sites. Yeah. I'm not saying it's part of our models, but we're aware, mm -hmm. right? And it's, a, it's, it's the vast amounts of data that comes in and it's about how fast can you sort through it? And then how fast can you take something and actually do something with it, right? And that's where it can be challenging in maybe Andre's world where he has like a deadline to meet and then a show in the afternoon. But, but then in, in the middle, you, you also have to be aware exactly. of everything else that's happening, right? Because the betters are aware. Because yeah. like you said, we have sharps out there. They know. They know what's happening, and they're, they're going to make a bet, they're going to post it on Twitter, or they're going to post it on some distro, and then their followers, and all of a sudden, that's where the that's where the bets change. Yeah, and that's yeah, right. You, you, yeah. One better can come in and move at half a point. Mm. That's right. Uh, so that's a great segue because Megan, I want to get to you and you talk about the momentum of the industry and just how fast it's scaling and rapidly growing. How has that changed from a data collection standpoint? The type of data that you're sourcing. Definitely, like the data, you know, the, the breadth of data is amazing to see now in the industry, but also like having those insights and being very focused about what matters, what doesn't matter, what's predictive, what's more descriptive, and how to like, you know, weave those assumptions and whether it's a variable change or an injury, you know, knowing what sort of triggers that movement so that you can like speak intelligently, whether you're giving like content or you're just trying to make modeling in the background to like understand your own risk, I think. You know, that, that matters to be focused, have really smart people. The great thing with like the boom in sports betting is I feel like we're dragging people over from like traditional tech spaces. So the talent is incredible. They're well skilled to begin with in analytics. So shipping them to sports betting, it's just, you know, same technical skills, a little bit of a different market, a little bit of a different job. But in general, I feel like they're not missing a beat. And in many cases, I think that they're making the industry just really savvy and cool. And, you know, the Sharps competing against these books now has a really fun dynamic where I think responsiveness, like you're saying, does win. So if your sports book, if your content is reflecting any sort of shift, you look like you're in the know, right? And you're helping, you know, the industry and whatever sport you're covering progress. So I think it helps like, hockey in general too progress, be more exciting. Um, it's a dynamic game to begin with, so add in another extra layer of some of these prop bets, and I think there's just an explosion in the amount that we can accomplish, and what's already been accomplished in, what, two years? Like, it hasn't been very long that, you know, even in Ontario, I've been like, yeah, a year and a half, I guess we can bet, so I can't even wait to see what we do in the next five years. Yeah, well, let me push on that for a second, just more broadly. 
uh, the, again, the scale and the pace. Do you think it has helped propel forward the technology and the investment that you're seeing, um, you know, being supported financially is really important yeah. to be able to say, like, I can give this to you, like, help me help you. So Absolutely. You yes. yeah. it's, it's capital, it's talent, it's like that long-term plan that now people are really investing in these markets. Mm -hmm. um, and I think before when Ontario wasn't legalized, hockey really wasn't on people's radar. But it is a big market. Canada's a big market. It's our number one sport. So all of a sudden it changes dynamics where people are looking at that as like a 10, 15 year investment versus, you know, quick wins in different sports. Obviously, NFL and fantasy has always been huge, but there's a ton of competition there. So it's nice to see like these other markets, you know, sports be turn their attention on as like new ground to gain. Mm -hmm. Dan, you wanted to follow yeah, up? Yeah, uh, and if you think about like what you're sourcing. And yesterday, Jonathan and Amy were talking about third parties, right? Is there room, is there opportunity in the space for someone in this audience, an MIT student, to come in with a new product? Absolutely. Because five years ago, do we have wind in one of our models? Mm -hmm. Hey, the wind's a factor in football, right? The conditions are a factor. What data source is that? Are you spinning up that data source, right? Can we ingest it? Is it real time? Right? And you have to think about all of the new ways that factor into the outcome of a sporting event. And if you can get as much of that information as possible, right, like we want it. We want to use it. We want to use it in our models. We'll test it and use it. But think about hockey. But in, in the question where it permeated from was all of the new sources of data. Right, because it's not only about in-house your first-party data, because you have to marry it with so much third-party data to make it relevant. That's funny you bring that up. And Grant, I have this next question for you. But I, so I host our uh, sports betting show on Fandle TV called More Ways to Win. And uh, last season, we started bringing in a weather expert because it got, I mean, the snow games and the, the I mean, just it, it helped us inform not just the fantasy aspect, but like this game is going under. He's coming in to tell us why this game yeah. is going to be under. And, um, you know, it's really fun to have that extra layer. But it just is, it's kind of like we're the forward facing of the brand you see us on TV, but it's behind the scenes, everything that we can possibly access to help us better inform our audiences. Think about the narrative, right? We uh, playoff game, Miami goes up to Buffalo, right? The narrative the entire week was Miami can't play in the cold weather. <laughs> When's the last time they scored X number of points under this degree? Right? When's the last time that they could walked in and marched into a stadium? Right? And now, and that's the narrative. That's what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm not talking about a player. I'm talking about cold fingers. <laughs> right? And so think about that information. And, and that information is relevant, though. Because why? Because that's what the betters are talking about. Right? And, then, and that's what you're going to post about. That's what you're going to write an article about. And that's going to swing how people bet. And we have to be aware of that as an operator because, we, again, we want to make a better experience, the best experience possible. If I'm not incorporating as much data as I possibly can into your experience, I'm just not doing justice by my users. Yeah, and the articles are, so I mentioned just the daily timeline. You have an article in the morning and a show in the evening. But if the game is at night and something changes in the meantime or the weather changes, if, if we're talking about football, then we're on social media. You know, I remember for one of the football 
football games, um, one of the, the, the editors uh, emailed or sent, sent a, a, a Slack blast to all of us, like, hey, weather says this is changing. And we got there at like 6 o'clock, and we were all, you know, 6.03. Yeah. All right, yes, now, now we're thinking this as opposed to that. And so, you know, you have to be agile, and you have to be ready to take in the data and disseminate it as, as quickly as possible. That's the good stuff, the behind the scenes where everybody's like, mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, mm -hmm. <laughs> freak it out. Uh, Grant, I got to ask you, so, um, with the availability of all the advanced data and the sophisticated software, and has the general public, you know, with in regards to betting, um, have they be, has that been helpful to them in their success with sports betting, or has it actually been a bit detrimental because you can have the tools, but if you don't know how to use them, then you won't realize that success. Are you seeing that when you when you look at the numbers? Absolutely. We have definitely seen a huge increase in just data literacy and an understanding over the past couple of years. And I think it's a big testament to everybody who's really educating members out there who are trying to play fantasy sports and sports bet. And you're starting to see it become very, very mainstream in a lot of um, places. You see PFF numbers on ESPN broadcast now. I scroll through my Twitter. People are constantly posting new lines, what's changing, what's updating. So. I really do think it's becoming just a, a common part of conversation to be able to talk intelligently about the data and the numbers that are powering the game. And we've seen that within our product. We have specifically added various data points in places for our members to very easily see how is this uh, player performing? How is LeBron James performing over their last five games? They want to feel educated when they're making their entries and playing our game. And we've actually seen that when we put those numbers in front of our members, they respond very, very well and they increase their engagement with the app. So. We think that's very, very important. And it used to just be, I mean, we keep talking sharp bettors, people who are very good at betting, right? But it used to just be people, those sharp bettors would be the ones using analytics, using statistics, right? But it's not anymore. Now it's the casual better. Mm -hmm. Almost every other conversation I have with somebody when we're talking about a sporting event, they're like, oh, they're favored by, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that just might be my neighbor who, again, isn't a statistician, isn't a big better, but that's just where the conversation is, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's where the education, like I said, the proliferation of data, right? And, and allowing people to consume data because we're putting it everywhere now, mm -hmm. right? Again, every, almost every broadcast has a line. It's showing you the line. I mean, it, it didn't used to be on ESPN, yeah. <laughs> but again, you can now see the line on the tickers. Right. We're progress progressing very quickly. Yeah, your neighbor's out yeah. taking the garbage out, dropping some historical <laughs> yeah. ATS on you for the Lions over the past mm -hmm. decade. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Asking me for some insider training, but I don't give it to me. <laughs> well, all of us sports fans, specifically basketball fans, I played basketball in college. Andre, uh, we just got through the NBA trade deadline. A lot happened, but Boston Celtics are still the favorite. Plus 280 right now. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious, because those lines shift so quickly, and you're like, the teams haven't even played together yet. So I think, um, you know, the general public is like, how do you come to this? What analysis goes into setting those lines and seeing them change so quickly? Absolutely. So um, I work with, uh, do a lot of work with ESPN Analytics, and we have a, a set of tools that, that we use, um, you know, our, our basketball power index um, that looks at, at team quality. So you mentioned the trade deadline. Um, the way that BPI is built, it's built from the player up. And so if a team trades, say, Michael Bridges, Jay Crowder, and um, Cameron Johnson uh, for Kevin Durant, who's thought of as the best, you know, arguably the best player in the NBA when he's healthy, um, we have tools um, 
say real plus minus is, is one of the tools we use to evaluate player impact. And we can say, okay, KD is a huge name, but how much does his presence on the court correlate with changes in his team scoring margin? And the same for the lesser known players going the other way. And so even though KD was the big, like splashy, sexy trade this year, um, according to the, the analytics anyway, um, and, and even maybe my, my eye test as well, the <laughs> Suns may not have gotten as much better as we think they did. And they gave up a lot of value because Michael Bridges, and even though he wasn't playing this year, Jay Crowder, were two of the best defensive forwards in the NBA last season. And now they have to make that up. And, and you don't necessarily see that in the box scores. And so we have to be able to use those tools and let people know um, uh, this is – what we believe this team will look like when it gets out on the court together. And yes, don't just look at Kevin Durant's name and say, well, the Suns are going to, you know, whatever the line is, I'm going over because I know the Suns are going to. No, you, you know, these teams are going to have to learn to play together. And they gave up some value to get what they brought in. And, and so those are things that, that the average fan or the, the, the customer needs to be paying attention to before they uh, – put their hard-earned money down, as uh, one of my colleagues likes to say. Well, I hope you bought low on Devin Booker. <laughs> now he's wide open. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, so <clears throat> what types of information, again, as we, the industry scales so quickly, in regards to fans, mm -hmm. what, are, what types of data and information are they wanting to see? What, do you, what are you sensing that they are really coming after? Yeah, absolutely, and this actually goes back to what you guys were just talking about a minute ago, this, the casual competence of the consumer is so much higher now than it used to be. And I, I think back to um, a few years ago, uh, 2018, I wrote an article about NBA super teams to run on the NBA page. And I talked, I talked about how Nikola Jokic was a megastar, but he wasn't winning MVPs yet. He wasn't even a household name yet. And my Twitter notifications were on fire <laughs> with people like Nikola Jokic. You know, he's not as good as Joel Embiid and all these other players. And I was using, you know, plus minus and other analytics approaches to, to make my case. Ah, nerd, your pocket protector, you know. Just, <laughs> and, and, but then nowadays, my Twitter mentions are the other way. If I say that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the NBA, they're like, you obviously don't pay attention to, you know, the, 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 the advanced stats that let you know that Jokic is really the best player in the NBA. So to answer your question, I feel like the, the, the casual competence has gotten so much higher that now the consumer wants that edge. They want to be at the far extreme. They want to know what's the next thing that's coming. I went on a show uh, the other day and mentioned Real Plus Minus, and I had people, you know, getting at me on Twitter, like, well, why do you use Real Plus Minus? You know, is it, is it just because that's a product that ESPN um, uh, generates, or is it really the best? You know, how does it compare with some of the other met matri metrics out there? And so it's not good enough now to just have what used to be advanced. Now you have to really be at the far edge to, to really give the customers what they want. Yeah, that social community is a special space there. On oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Megan, same question for you, because you're seeing it as well in day to day. Yes, and I mean, it's a very sneaky way to learn or self-learn, you know, stats 101. I feel like everyone now that's, you know, into sports and is betting or is like interacting, 
they're great. You know, they understand like regression models and all sorts of like techniques that, you know, you would think, okay, I learned this in third, fourth year university. And just someone that is like, oh no, I, you know, I took an arts degree, but like, this is my passion now. And they're, you know, mm -hmm. that's their full-time job, just like betting and doing sports book stuff on their own and, and making these models. So it's, it's really cool to have like sophisticated people that engage in that space that sometimes, you know, their day job isn't as an engineer or, you know, doing something completely different than sports, but this is like their passion and what they like to, you know, log on to Twitter for, right? So I think that interaction makes the space that much better. And, you know, having that baseline just elevated every year, you see like more sophistication and ESPN now has hockey. So it's amazing to see like these advanced metrics, whether it's expected goals. So what should the score be for like the quality of play, quality of shots versus just turning on the TV and thinking, okay, my, my team's getting blown out three, nothing. You know, but if it's the Boston Bruins, they're number one right now for, for odds for winning the Stanley Cup, made a couple great trades, they might come back on any given night. And you, if you know that they're, you know, playing well, maybe you'll tune in instead of just flick it off. So it's really cool to see, like, the change of how analytics can help with more engagement, but also, like, the understanding of it is just way deeper than when I was here, you know, 10 years ago at this conference. And I feel like that's really attributable to a lot of the sports data being open source and accessible. I think that's a great way to onboard a lot of people into the industry. I know that's how I personally got into the industry, just reading on Twitter and going out and pulling these data sets ourselves. As that bar continues to raise, a rising tide raises all ships, I really think the data literacy going up is really, really important. And you're going to see more and more conversations happening. What we've seen now that our members are more data literate is that they're engaging with each other, engaging with Andre and Twitter. They've all got their group <laughs> messages and they say, I know I've got an edge tonight, guys. We all got to get in on it together. And now they feel like they have an edge and they're having fun socially and enjoying with their friends. So I think that network effect and people really searching out for more information, trying to find out who's doing what and sharing that knowledge is really powerful. And, you, and you're right, because there is an educational component to all of this. We've talked so much about the savvy batter, the sharps, the, the guys that this is a profession for these uh, men and women that are out there doing this. Uh, but FanDuel, we are, we're live and legal in 18, almost 19 next week, 19 states. That's a, we're barely there. We're just scratching the surface and we're bringing, we're onboarding new betters every hour, every single day. So um, while yes, there's, there's that contingent that has been doing this a very long time, there's also the need to speak more of a 101 to bring people on and not have the barriers that exist for someone coming into something new. So um, Andre, and maybe this is, your voice is so important to this because I think you can lend yourself to um, help those come, come in without the stigma of like, I don't know what a line and spread and all these different terminology is. Um, how do you kind of like, I guess, I guess, how do you kind of walk that line without be dumbing it down too much, but bringing everybody along together? Yeah, it, a lot of it is storytelling and, and, and how you get your, your point across. Um, and, um, you know, you mentioned that you finished in 2008, which was the worst time to finish. <laughs> I got my PhD in 2007, so it was the same thing. My, my plan was to become a professor. <laughs> <We're here> for a <laughs> reason. Exactly. You know, my, my plan was to become a professor, which was all about taking complex thoughts and, and translating it to a group of people and, and, and having them to be able to come on board with it. Well, I end up using a lot of those same skills now as a writer um, at ESPN because, yes, there are 
the, the, the far advanced, the, the almost sharps themselves, and they need to be able to get information from me. But I think about, like I said, I just started doing this a couple years ago. I had to learn what a parlay was versus a teaser. What's, you know, the, the, the over and under, the, 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 the spread and, and, and how it changes. And just the basics like that are things that some of our, our customers, the, the leading edge of people that are just getting into it, they have to be able to understand this as well. So I'll have to write an article where I'll get into uh, a conclusion that I got maybe from an analytics approach and I'll touch on what tool I use to get there, but I have to casually toss in there that, you know, real plus minus is uh, a way of scoring how a player's presence on the court correlates with their team scoring margin. I'll have to put that into every article just so that someone that's reading it for the first time will say, oh, okay, that's what that is. That's not just another random number that's being tossed out there that, that you know, you, you don't want to over acronym or over number people to death, but at the same time, you have to be able to speak to both ends of the spectrum. I think it's an important dialogue to make it digestible. Um, what else do you have to add to that? Yeah, I was gonna just add on top of what Andre's saying. The media is, is such a huge factor now, right? Like I said, Andre, he's writing articles. You know, we have a partnership with Pat McAfee. I mean, he'll, he puts bets out there and he's like, everyone make this, right? We have partnerships with Kenny Smith and, and, and Charles Barkley, right? And they, again, and Amy talked about this yesterday, right? They'll say on air and say, here's the bet that you wanna make, mm -hmm. right? So even if you don't know what a same game parlay is, right? You're gonna search it real quick and you're gonna find out very fast. Um, so it's about, Accessibility, because the, because the media is, is um, advancing how people are even thinking about betting, right? And they're, they're I, I don't want to say pushing betting, but they're making it more accessible, the information more accessible, and then it allows people to do more research. And like you said, there's a lot of information out there, but every, every, you can reach that information pretty quickly so you can educate yourself pretty fast. It's that social betting. Um, that's just fun if you want to start getting into it. like. Sure, open up the app. Charles Barkley told me to bet this. Yeah. Why not? It's Chuck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you hit on a great point, Dayon. And, and one thing we've been really cognizant of in our game is how we can make it as simple and easy as possible. So we've seen a lot of success in presenting our members just the player projections and letting them take more or less on that. It's a very casual conversation. It's easy to point to LeBron James and say, he's going to play great tonight. I know he's going to be on fire. He's going more. So just having that simple, easy way to get into fantasy sports has helped educate members and make them go even further. And now they're playing and they want to learn more and more. So that's been successful for us. I mentioned when we started this that FanDuel this past NFL season, we launched the live same game parlays. Dayon is like, that's been my life for the last <laughs> nine months. Um, so that's been successful for us. Uh, but I'm curious to know, and Grant, I'll start with you from your perspective. What are the new and more popular betting formats that you're seeing? Absolutely, Lisa. I think the coolest frontier right now that's happening in the fantasy sports space specifically is the proliferation of the in-game markets. You're starting to see more and more operators really condense the duration of some of these markets. You can get in and out a lot quicker. You can play more and more entries and lineups every single night as these things settle faster. Um, so I think those are really, really challenging. As you decrease the duration, you're opening yourselves up to a lot more risk and variance, and you've got to be very cautious of those those edges, but it's something that the members have made very, very clear that they want, they're excited about it. 
it's awesome being able to hop into an NBA game and play just the first quarter. I know my outcome, and now I'm playing again in the second quarter, and I'm playing again in the third quarter. So we've seen that be a great experience, and I really think the in-game, shorter-duration markets are kind of the new frontier. It's really exciting. What about us for, at FanDuel, Dan? Yeah, I think that in-game betting is, is one of the, the largest markets now that, is, that uh, uh, people are really excited about. But it's going to go back into a barrier. It's, the, it's what data do you have and how mm -hmm. fast do you mm -hmm. have it, right? If you want to bet on the next goal scored, mm -hmm. right? If you want to, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. If you want to bet on uh, the next pitch, who's going to hit, is, is, is this player going to hit or not hit the next pitch, right? Like you have to have that information almost real time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Real fast to uh, then enable the user to enjoy the experience with the sport because that's what we do. Right? We enhance this experience with the sport that people have, and they want to have it, again, more real-time, instantaneous, in-game, right? They want to bet on that next player, that next pitch, that next basket score. Again, they talked about this yesterday. Like, how, how hard is that? How many, like, like, what's the time between baskets being scored in a, basket, in a professional basketball game, right? And, and we have to now be able to do uh, calculations and put it on our app about that next bucket. Right, and so they're... Yeah, and they already scored. And yeah. they scored again. Mm. Right. And, oh, now they're at fast break, they scored again. You, so you, yeah. the latency it could be a, a, a real critical issue if um, that's not addressed. And I, I feel like that is kind of, it may eventually kind of push people back towards live events. Like in recent, you know, the last couple of decades is television experience and, and, and game watching experience has gotten to be so much easier, it becomes, well, why should I go through the trouble of going to the live event and, and being, you know, having to pay all this money and buy all these concessions when I can sit in my living room and get seven screens and watch all the games. But you mentioned the real time, I think about, so I'm big into tennis. Like that's another sport that, yeah. that I both watch and analyze. And so I would be trying to do kind of the real time uh, uh, bets or parlays during a tennis match. And it might be, you know, set to set, game to game, even point to point. Well, watching it on, on TV, there's a delay. And you might not notice it if you're not betting, but it's, it's you know, a few second delay. And so I'm, you know, I've got my FanDuel app open and I'm like, okay, you know, I see what Djokovic is doing right here. I think he's going to break him this game. And I, I, but I go to make the bet, and he's already broke him because I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm a few seconds behind. And so the only way to, at least in current technology, completely get rid of latency and watching is to be there in person. And so I could see uh, betting kind of working with uh, uh, fan retention to kind of get people back to the stands if for no other reason, so they could be real time when, when they're making their, their. Andre just gave everybody an edge. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're gonna see ticket sales start increasing now because people wanna use it mm -hmm. to their advantage. Nice, well done. Uh, let's talk about innovation. We have about 17 minutes left. So just a reminder, in about seven minutes, I'm going to get to your Twitter questions. So if you have any, any of them arisen as we've gone <laughs> along here, please be sure to hop on Twitter and we will get to your questions in just a moment. But um, I wanna, Get the crystal ball out. I want to look at the future. I want to know what um, innovation you are excited about um, in your different lanes here. And Grant, I'll start with you. What what does the industry look like for you? Um, let's start a year from now. What, what's it going to look like? 
Yeah, absolutely. I kind of touched on it already. I really do think some of these in-game markets are going to be the future. So I think there's a lot of innovation happening there. I think next year, if I were to come back right now, I think we're probably offering about 2,000 different player projections every single day. We've probably done about 80 leagues over the past year. I would love to be able to say that we've doubled that and we are giving our members the optionality to play whatever unique player projection that they want to. On top of that, I'd like to say that we're better at personalizing it and when a member comes into our app, maybe they have twice as much, three times as many choices of what they're gonna play, but we're able to get them what they want to play in half the time as they currently are today. So it's really about giving them more optionality and then understanding what that member, and each member wants something different, right? So we really have to use the data we have to personalize that experience and, and give it to them in a super easy and intuitive way. So that's something that we're really passionate about over the next year, Lisa. They're exciting, Megan. Yeah, I think it's definitely making that more engaging content that has like that frictionless experience. So when we're talking about like even learning how to bet, you know, I travel around the world and there's so many countries that this is just a normal thing. Like in Australia, they're like, what do you mean you can't bet on that? You know, it's like a pigeon flying or something. I'm like, how is that even like a market? But they've just always had betting for so long. And, and I feel like as we mature, just creating more social, more digital, connecting it to that data where you can have advanced models, you can understand, you know, your team, follow along with players much better. And it's not just like sports betting and sports or media in like silos, but it's just this like entire experience, whether you are in the arena or we have better technology to have that real time. So now you don't have to be, you know, you can watch and engage and understand and follow along much better with like 10 teams instead of just your one favorite one. So I think it's, you know, condensing some of these experiences. I know like the rise of, you know, TikTok and all of these other like very, you know, 30 second sort of ingestible nuggets. I feel like that's where the analytics plus the betting side merge to this like really cool new world where we can not only engage, but like have some, you know, skin in the game, I guess, right? Some in emotional investment. We were talking behind the scenes about how, you know, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan, but if I made a bet that's maybe a different team, I'm cheering for them on that Sunday. And that's just uh, something that wouldn't have happened without sports betting being a market. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, um, I was planning to kind of talk about, you know, what I just talked about the last time. So I'm gonna go off the top of the dome. Um, the last time I did one of these panels, um, someone in the audience was asking, well, what's your, your hit rate, you know, your, your, your correct rate? And so um, I've been doing these daily articles with, with uh, ESPN for the NBA for the last two and a half years now, um, just started the uh, football in the fall. And so I think, at the time, I was around 58, 59% um, on my NBA picks, and football was new, so it was a smaller sample size, but I was, at that time, I was up around two-thirds. And so the guy said, well, you know, um, uh, where I think the future is going is essentially the, the, the sharps, if you will. And I was like, I don't really think of myself as a sharp. He was like, yes, but if you're getting those kinds of percentages, that's good. He was like, <laughs> we want to be able to bet on what you're betting on, you know, almost like a mutual fund, you know, he, he, he took it to like a, a Wall Street kind of feel where, and I, I think about how um, when I was little, I loved playing video games. <laughs> With my kids come along, 
they love watching other people play video games on YouTube, you know, and mm -hmm. it's kind of a similar concept of, of the consumer, especially those we talked about that maybe aren't as feeling like they're as savvy just yet, you know, like instead of, of, of jumping straight in themselves, they say, okay, well, we'll watch what an expert is doing and, and, and follow along that way and have that as maybe a bridge to, to bring more people into either the sport or the industry. Dr. Disrespect has made his name on, <laughs> on just playing the game and people watching him play the game and he comments on mm -hmm. it. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to piggyback a little bit about uh, what Andrea and Megan just said, which is the social aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And being part of a, uh, a global uh, betting company at Flutter, right? We have sister companies all over the world. And uh, our, our uh, Australian-based company, a sports bet, they, they have a social aspect to their betting platform, mm -hmm. right? Where you can bet with your friends, right? And, uh, you know, and that's, I think, one way that we're seeing the maturity in other markets then get brought back into the United States. And how are we exploring that? How can you get the more socialized? So I think the video game analogy is perfect. Mm -hmm. Like I used to play by myself. Now everyone has a headset on and is playing with 10 of their friends. Mm -hmm. Well, right now I bet by myself. Mm -hmm. But maybe I do want to bet with a lot of my friends. For me, I would say a second thing, it's about engagement with the sport, something I'm passionate about, which is, Sports betting is about how do you engage with the sport in which you love, right? Like you're watching uh, Djokovic play, mm -hmm. right? And you're engaging with the sport in a different way by making bets on that sport. Mm -hmm. So how do we advance how you engage with the sport, right? How, what's the content like within the app? Now, I mean, again, this is, this is you, have to, you have to peel away all the legalities and licensing, mm -hmm. but imagine like on the app, if there's a different way for you to view the sport. Right, that integrates sport betting into it, that integrates lines into it, that integrates uh, um, uh, any information that you want about your player, about your sport, about your team, right at your fingertips. Again, Jonathan said yesterday, augmented reality, or you could hold the phone up, and all of a sudden, yes, yeah, so, yeah, we're watching Kevin Durant run up and down the, the court, and the line of him scoring this many points is changing in real time. Now, I don't, I don't see a world where everyone's just holding their phone up, right? But <laughs> You can take that principle and bring it back and say, how can we develop something that, that is a little bit more disruptive? Um, maybe not that disruptive, but a little bit more disruptive of just, again, enhancing the user experience because that's what betting is, right? It's your experience with the game. So how do we bring that closer to you? I love that you said that in going back to the social betting and yeah. talking about pulling that from the CEO, Barney Evans there, who's done a fantastic job in Australia and bringing that concept here because we love fantasy football. We have our leagues we go back to with the same people every year, <laughs> our friends, our family. How do we bring that social aspect and that community to a sports betting landscape that makes sense and is user friendly? So um, hopefully our crystal ball sees that in a, That'll, that'll come to pass. Thank you for these great questions. There really are so many good ones. Um, so we're going to get right to them. Hopefully you can get to most of them. But let's start here. Uh, how much do you consider social media sentiment and sports reporters when setting your lines, especially given the fact that these things will influence how the public bets? <laughs> Who wants to take that one? Grant, you're laughing. <laughs> That's a good question. In, in a good way, like, yeah, you're, you're onto something. No, it's a great question. Um, I think people would be surprised how active the operators are on social media. Um, just scraping that data and understanding it and really, really just trying to understand what the members are thinking and how are they approaching the game and what are they looking at. 
trying to put ourselves in their shoes and their perspective and get into that mindset. So absolutely, um, Twitter, Discord, Instagram, it's everywhere. I mean, everything has content on SportsNow, and, and we're definitely following that and thinking about tying that into the other processes and systems that we have. It's another great data point. Um, we want to leverage that and make sure we're capturing that value. Mm -hmm. um, let's go here. Andre, how does the role of sharp betters influence line movement in early lines and pregame lines since your business is informing everyone ahead of time? Yeah, um, it absolutely uh, can move it, you know, that I was talking about, like it can uh, move a, a half point, a, a single big better um, can move it a half point. And these sharps a lot of times are the ones that are either the big betters or they're informing them and they're uh, coming in on one side that maybe wasn't initially thought to be uh, the, 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 the favorite. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, I'm a big Bengals fan. And I remember going into that AFC championship game, the Bengals and the Chiefs, it seemed like the line was moving constantly, you know, because Mahomes had just injured his ankle and, you know, the Bengals had been 3-0 and against them. And, and so it was like when it was first announced, I think it was Chiefs, minus one and a half by the next day it was like Bengals plus a half and then and so just trying to keep up with that you know and, and what the sharps are doing that that's this pushing the lines back and forth is a big part of what we what we have to do by the way if you ever see Patrick Mahomes with plus money you take it <laughs> a line moving one point over the course of the week for like football is a lot mm -hmm. a line moving three points over the course of the week without, and maybe there is a significant injury, but we've seen it, right? We've seen lines move quite a bit without an injury, without something happening in the game. Mm -hmm. That's the betters, mm -hmm. right? That's the better, and, and again, three points is a ton. Mm -hmm. um, okay, another one for you, Dayon. What does your team use to shift lines in such real time, people in arenas, live feeds? Um, and then I'll follow up with a hockey question for you. Um, so our risk and trading team uh, set our lines, and I, I know, I mean, it's, it's about probabilistic modeling, right? You're always going to do the probability of an outcome coming out, and then which one is the most likely to happen, right? Um, and so uh, the information that we get, again, we monitor. I mean, do we scrape Twitter? I mean, we're aware. <laughs> Am I going to say that it's in our models? I mean, it's hard for someone to model something like that, right? So you're going to take what you do core, but you're aware of what happens, right? And then, um, and then our traders, they'll adjust, right? Because as they monitor, as they see conditions change, as they see things change, they will adjust, right? Because this is what they do. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they'll take as many data points and pieces of information as possible and make the most relevant outcome. Again, it'll change the probability of outcome happening. And then again, they'll they'll tweak it to a point that um, is at a good liability rate for us. Mm -hmm. To follow up on that, Megan, for hockey, for instance, a line will be off the board seemingly moments before a goal is scored live on TV. <laughs> line shifts are almost ahead of the gameplay at times. How do you reconcile that? Hockey is tough because it's so dynamic and there aren't those stops and starts, right? You have like period breaks, but sometimes you can have long stretches before a face-off happens. So it's one of the more difficult sports in terms of understanding like what's, what are great prop bets? What are new markets that you can create? How do you engage? So sometimes, you know, you see even like there's no bets being taken for two, three minutes left in, in some hockey games and that's normal and that's just a way to, you know, deal with the risk of the game as well. So... I think that's obviously a progression that needs to happen in terms of having more data, more real time, 
technology to you know empower and improve uh, the sports betting experience. But there are problems with hockey in general being you know in arena. You have like ice, these players flying around, the puck's very small. Um, a lot of times they're, wear, they're wearing white jerseys too, there's boards. So I think, you know, in general, people are like, well, why is it not like, you know, baseball or basketball? It's just an entirely different sport and structure and technology needs. And, you know, we work a lot to break down those, those walls, but it's, you know, big investments too. So sort of a trade-off of like time, money, and like the type of sport to get some of these, you know, ability to bet in that way, um, just more, it, it, a better experience, let's say. Mm -hmm. All right, Grant and Dayon, this one is for you. When a sportsbook's model seems to differ from the Sharps on a particular game, how often do books, quote, take a stand and swallow risk on an outcome because they have confidence in their numbers? I'll say we're confident in the math in which we do, right? <laughs> um, again, we're aware. We're aware where the bets go. We're aware what people are doing in the marketplace. Um, again, is it the first thing that we look at? Well, no. Like, like we have data sets, we have data feeds, and and, and our models are. Uh, we have some of the smartest people uh, at our company, right? And so we we stand behind the work in which we do. Um, could it could it shift again? Because if a sharp makes a bet and all of a sudden more money's one way versus the other, and then more people start betting that way because, again, in a discord, they, like, we, we, have, we have to make some shifts, right? We might have to make some shifts, but I wouldn't say that it's like a variable that we're putting right into our models. We're just aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we're very, very similar, Dayon. We spent a lot of time building out our game operations team, and luckily we have some amazing all-stars there. I think for us, you've got to trust your process. You've got to believe in your skills and what you're doing in that, Ultimately, um, you're in the right spot, and law of large numbers, it's going to go towards the mean. So for us, we really, really have a lot of confidence in ourselves, and um, we trust our process. This next question, I actually really love this question because I'm all about um, helping each other out, pulling each other up, working together. The collaboration is where magic happens. So how can you leverage relationships with actual teams to improve betting analytics? Are in-stadium sportsbooks the only and or best way to do that? No, I think, I think the best ways in partnerships, and I don't think like we've only scratched the surface, is sharing data, mm -hmm. right? There's a ton of information and a ton of data that sports teams have about their players, about conditions, about, I mean, they, they, they run the operations of the arena, they run the operations of the actual sport. And, um, I think that there's a, there's a place where we can share data, mm -hmm. right? I think there's a place where their data will help us from a business perspective and our data will help them from a business perspective, mm -hmm. right? And I think that, I mean, we're, we're real new. I mean, Massachusetts has even a lot right? Yeah. Having a conversation with the Celtics about sharing data isn't even something that's on the table at this point, but it's something that we should probably explore more. And in the future, I actually see it happening more where I mean, we're part of the experience. I go back to that experience. We're part of the sport viewing experience. And then eventually it will be to a point where getting the information that they have that we don't have is more information better, right? And, get, and sharing it back to them is going to be, it's actually going to help all the businesses. Yeah, yesterday with FanDuel and Caesar sitting here, Tom and Amy were talking about their data, and Jonathan Kraft is sitting over there saying, oh, yeah, if you want to send your data over here, we'll take whatever data you want to share. Let's get this going. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, so it's, it's a great way to answer that. Any other 
input yeah, on Yeah, I think that mutual, like working towards growing the sport and data is a part of it, a huge part of storytelling, content. I mean, the shows you do are fabulous, right, to draw people in. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's an alignment, right, of more data, smarter data, get it to fans and have this like growth in just the industry is important for everyone. I think that's really cool, Megan. It seems like throughout this entire panel, we've been talking about how a lot of different spaces in this industry all share a mutual alignment. And we're talking about consumers, operators, mutually aligned and wanting to raise their technical analysis and st statistical skills, right? Now we're talking about sports teams trying to engage more with their fans. How can the operators help them and work together to create that win-win environment? So it's really, really cool that while there may be different players all coming from their own perspective, ultimately it seems like everyone is unified in creating what is a great sports viewing experience. I think we all just love sports and want to experience that with data. Um, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Our Flutter CEO, Peter Jackson, I feel like every single Flutter town hall he always talks about leading the industry, leading gaming and sports betting into the future with the mindset, with, with the lead and the scale of a leader, but the mindset of a challenger. And I think that's never been more important to remember than right now as we continue to grow in this industry. Thank you for your attention this morning. Thank you so much. That is all the time we have. Brilliant job. You guys are awesome. Thank you for the insights today. Um, enjoy the rest of your day.